0: In the last sort of three months or so, I've started like journaling a bit more. So that for me has been really useful because I I think a lot <laughs> about things. Um, I spend a lot of time, you know, on my own when I'm training um, and that kind of thing. I live on my own as well. So I'm spending a lot of time in my head. So actually just to be able to kind of write things down sometimes, I really, I feel like that really helps. Like the first time that I kind of instinctively did it without being told, this was before I actually started journaling. It was before the Arnold Fitness Games last year. I was feeling a lot of pressure going into that. Like I was really, really nervous. The wads didn't necessarily suit me that well. There were some movements in there that I was really nervous about, some heavy weights in there that I was really nervous about. And I was putting pressure on myself to do really well there. And so the night before, I literally just like got out my training diary and wrote down everything that I was thinking. And I felt so much better after that, that that was the thing that kind of made me think, okay, maybe I need to spend a little bit more time doing that kind of thing, just to kind of free up some headspace a little bit.
1: This is the Limitless Athlete Podcast. I'm Tom Foxley, founder of MindsetRx and your host. And I believe that you can drop the pressure you're putting yourself under and still perform just as well, if not better, than you could with self-imposed pressure. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm willing to work as hard as I can.
0: There's no past there's no future. There's just this moment right
1: here. If I did that, if I can get through that, like, come at me changing how i saw myself like as a man not
0: just as, as an athlete it's okay that i struggle it's okay that's part of the
1: deal It's how i responded maybe the pressure is what drove you forwards unerringly ceaselessly toward your best could you have done what you have done without that pressure forcing you pushing you but you recognize the times that the pressure has got too much When will I snatch X kilograms? When will I reach the semis? When will I be good enough? Pressure creates diamonds, they say. But pressure has also been your downfall. The pressure certainly wasn't creating diamonds when I didn't sleep for three days straight. Not because I was busy, but just because I couldn't. It wasn't good for me when at 3am, I was a nervous ball of energy, unable to get a break from the constant criticism and judgement in my head, And unable to get more than five minutes of sleep. The pressure made life miserable. And I know that it makes the life of so many athletes miserable too. Maybe that's you. Maybe the pressure and the force and the stress you're putting yourself under. It's not actually needed in order to be successful. Maybe you could do all of this without this pressure. Maybe the pressure has become something you've grown attached to. Because who would you be without it? What if you weren't good enough without the pressure? I'm honestly asking you now, are you attached to the pressure? The very same pressure that is a stone in your shoe every time you work out or compete. What would happen if you dropped the pressure? Sure, you've proven to yourself that you can run a mile with a stone in your shoe. You could probably run a mile without that stone too. Think back to your best performances in training or elsewhere. What do they feel like? Do they feel forced and stressed and full of pressure? Or did they feel open, free and effortless despite their difficulty? No one is asking you to shy away from difficult things or to quit holding yourself to a high standard. Quite the opposite. I'm saying free up the space to perform your best by dropping the energy you're currently devoting to fighting your self-imposed pressure. The podcast you're about to listen to with CrossFit athlete Lucy Campbell goes into the subject of pressure. She speaks candidly about pressure to perform and to conform and how that affects our identity. Her background in sports psychology makes for a super informative opinion. We also discuss body image, the role of identity, overthinking, comparison and dealing with injury. If you enjoy the show, please head to Spotify, Apple Podcasts or YouTube and subscribe. Now, here's Lucy Campbell. Lucy, welcome to the Limitless Athlete Podcast.
0: Thank you for having me on.
1: My absolute pleasure. And I know we kind of want to um, pull out some useful information about your background, but I don't want to drag you through the whole thing. So let's start off with a kind of a slightly more, I think, interesting question. Who were your role models when you were growing up?
0: (sighs) I had a feeling you were going to ask this. So when I was doing gymnastics um it was like always Beth all because she was like the one kind of GB gymnast at the time um that was really performing on like the world stage um but also when you look at the kind of like the generation of gymnasts that were around at that time like Russia was the really dominant force when I was doing gymnastics um and like the Russian gymnasts were your stereotypical like lengthy like long limbs really elegant looking um and Beth Twiddle was like this powerhouse like she was muscly she was much more like the gymnasts that we're seeing now like Simone Biles who are like kind of uh, not better built, but like they you know, they're more muscular, clearly very, very powerful athletes. Um, and so I always really kind of admired her, um, not just from the performance side of things, but also because she just looked that little bit different. Um and then um my family used to go to like we went to a couple of the Olympics, we were quite lucky that like, went to Athens to watch. Um, went to Beijing to watch and then obviously London uh, we got tickets for that um, and my sisters were both rowers um, and so Catherine Granger um, was part of the women's, can't remember whether it was a four or a quad um, but it was that story of like you know she got three Olympic silver medals and she was constantly chasing that gold medal um, and so she was like I really admired that um I admired her for sticking around kind of until she eventually got that um so yeah I think those were the two key like sports people that I really admired um but then obviously you know you learn masses from your family my parents my sisters um but in terms of sports people it was definitely those two
1: so your family Do you say your sister was sisters were rowers yeah
0: yeah well they were kind of we were we did a lot of sports growing up but um yeah they kind of both settled on rowing
1: okay so I'm going to guess a fairly athletic background or family structure
0: yeah we were just always encouraged to like do sport um so you know, I was doing gymnastics for, I kind of. I can't even remember starting gymnastics. It was like that much part of my childhood. Um, and we also lived by the river. Uh, my parents lived by the river. So we got into swimming really young because they wanted us to be safe if anything happened. Um, so that was how we kind of all got into swimming. Um, and the gymnastics club that we were at was literally like the next road along. So we like went there um, but yeah, we were definitely like encouraged to be active.
1: Mm. And what kind of um, lessons did your parents give you? Like obviously, they kind of you got the you got the swimming lesson there for, from a safety perspective. But like, what did they teach you about competing about sport when you were growing up?
0: Oh, I mean, that's an interesting one. Um, to be honest, I don't think I don't remember them. Like, they very much let us lead. So um, I didn't – I never really got, like, dragged to training sessions necessarily um, or anything like that. Like, I competed because I wanted to compete. Um, You know, I trained that much because I wanted to train that much. Um, That being said, like, my dad was – a high level judo player so he was like squash structural champion when he was younger um and spent a long time kind of you know in that judo scene um and so yeah it's a bit of a funny one because like in terms of like me and my siblings we weren't necessarily um we definitely weren't encouraged to be like competitive with each other but me being the youngest was always quite like competitive with them, whether or not they knew it. like I wanted to do things that they'd not done, um, and that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, it's a it's a bit of a funny one because I wouldn't say that they um, they didn't push us into anything. they they encouraged us to do whatever we enjoyed, and that was about it.
1: Do you remember any um because I'm gonna link this in because you did a master's in uh sports psychology, right? Okay. Yeah. So like gymnastics is notoriously a kind of a head game event and sport. Like it's um you've got a lot kind of wrapped up because well, you've got the kind of the judgment of aesthetics in there. So that's an interesting one anyway. Um, and then you have the fact that it's just you, um, which is quite difficult and but good prep for for CrossFit. Um, and then you have the kind of the various different coaching styles that come into gymnastics as well. Um, what was, where did the interest in sports psychology really start?
0: Um, I actually think that it was when I moved from, so the thing that got me interested in sports psychology was I was really interested in um, group dynamics and like the effect of group dynamics on uh, performance and performance environment and all that sort of thing um, and so for me it was actually moving from winter swimming club where I'd you know been a part of since I was learning to swim I went through their learn to swim program was there until I was 18 then went to Loughborough Uni um, and then that change um, from being you know the big fish in a small pond to then being a small fish in a big pond with a lot of international athletes and very good athletes um and that was the thing that kind of um started getting me interested in it but also I always found it really interesting how um how this is going to sound really strange but how people um interacted with you when you started to become successful um were potentially beating them and all that sort of thing so like for instance we used to have these at Loughborough we used to have like target times for different um you know sessions so if you were um a female doing freestyle in this set, your target times with this. If you're a male doing freestyle in this set, then your target times with this. I would sometimes go faster than the target times because I was a freestyler and I didn't feel that they were hard enough for me. I also know that I was always someone that trained really, really hard. So like my training splits were quite often like the times that I should be going based off my training splits were much faster than what I was actually competing at. Um, And sometimes the boys really hated that. They really didn't like the fact that I was like keeping up with them in training or anything like that. And I found that really interesting. And then also um, like when I was at Windsor, other swimmers' parents And the way that they would interact with you as an athlete, like I was, you know, anywhere between kind of 14. When I started to sort of make my way on the swimming scene, I guess it was like 14 onwards. Um, And the way that they would interact started to change. Um, And that, that I also found quite interesting because it just got me thinking about like, what is it about what I'm doing that is clearly triggering something in you to treat me differently um even though it has no effect on them like that was the thing that like I started to get really interested in just because it was affecting me so much
1: how so how is it affecting you
0: um no one wants to be you know the odd one out when they're 14 15 um no one wants to be kind of uh, have have the kind of remarks about me that I was made when I was that age. Um, And it was that kind of, you know, these are my friend's parents that were saying stuff about a 14, 15 year old. Like, it's just, you know, stay in your lane. Your child is doing however they're doing me, you know, winning a national medal or whatever. It's not making their achievements any less so it's it yeah it was just um a very strange kind of environment
1: if you want to skip the question absolutely fine um and we can kind of cut it out or just move on um what kind of stuff were they saying
0: um so i remember there was me and this one with a girl um similar age um She was an IM swimmer, so individual medley for anyone that doesn't know. So she did, like, all of the the events um, or all of the strokes even. I was mainly freestyle, um, but also did a bit of backstroke and sometimes did medley just because of the fitness perspective. Um, And we were at counties, um, and at counties you kind of do a lot of events because it's one of those things where it's like – You know, if you're at a certain level, it's not a huge deal. um, And it's just a kind of stepping stone on the way to nationals and that kind of thing. Um, So my coach had chosen to pull me out of the 200 IM final um, because it wasn't an important event for me. um, And I'd already done loads that day. And the 100 pre-final was straight after the 200 IM final. Um, and I was in the in the 100 free final, as was this other girl. But she, being an IM swimmer, also did the 200 IM. Um, and I ended up beating her in the 100 free final. And her mum had a go at my coach, our coach, but with me literally stood right there, um, basically being like, you pulled Lucy out so that she would win the hundred free, um, saying all this sort of stuff. Um, they, I got accused of favoritism quite a lot. Well, no, my coach got accused of favoritism quite a lot because, um, if I was, um, if I was selected for a GB event, they will select a coach to go with them. And so sometimes my coach got selected. So he would come away with me and the rest of the GB team. Um, And so, yeah, the parents weren't happy about that. Um, Even though from like a development perspective, obviously this would only benefit their child. Um, But yeah, there was a lot of kind of that sort of stuff um, that went around. And actually, you know, the fact of the matter is that I did well in swimming because I was at every single session. And that is more than can be said for most of the children of the parents that were saying stuff like that um, and <laughs> yeah I mean you can't you can't kind of argue attendance or anything like that like it was just a very strange place sometimes
1: <laughs> it's um it, that's obviously a, a tough experience when you've got when you're a child and you've got adults kind of criticizing the decisions that involve you um and that's obviously going to affect you Uh, in a way that must prepare you for what's happening now and your development and your growth within the crossfit scene and your kind of your rise because like to do anything exceptional and to reach any good standards you've got to be an outlier and you've got to stand out um and that kind of an inherent part of that is criticism um do you feel like that's kind of helped you and prepared you for for now?
0: Um, in some ways, yes. I think I'd still... I still do care what people say about me. I think it's difficult to, you know... I think it's difficult not to for anyone. Um, but ultimately, um, I'm doing what I'm doing because I want to do it, not because I'm trying to impress anyone else or, you know, ultimately... I don't I'm trying not to care what other people think or what other people say I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing you know you can't argue with results um and to be honest like I think that's the thing that I've had to get used to the most in the last let's say six months um where I essentially, especially since Watapalooza, like Watapalooza, I think was my first kind of experience of it, where I had like people that don't know me commenting on me. Um, and you know, luckily so far it's pretty much been all positive, so I've not had anything to worry about, but um I think that's definitely one of the things that I'm gonna have to find a way to deal with. Um because I'm well aware that at some points you know there's probably not going to be it's not all going to be people singing my praises and um and that kind of thing there's going to be some people that criticize and um actually like my main goal throughout all of this is to just make myself proud as long as I'm proud of myself with what I've done if that's you know effort if that's results um if that's the way that I, you know, carry myself and whatever. Um, like that's, I'm the only person that I have to be accountable for and accountable to. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just like taking it back to um, why I do it and the kind of that selfish side of things.
1: Yeah, that's a tough one, right, to kind of to pin your – self-pride and self-love, not on the results that you get, although that's something that you're interested in, but your actions and kind of and separating them from yourself. Like, how do you manage that?
0: Well I just think that like the results that I get, um that's you know, when we talk about like process goals and outcome goals and that kind of thing, the results is the outcome goal, like a placing of an outcome goal. I only have control over you know what I do and that's where the kind of um basing my judgment and my performance on the things that I have control over you know did I make smart choices in the middle of the wad did I follow my strategy um if my strategy didn't go right if I wasn't you know doing what I wanted to do did I take the initiative to change it um and then hopefully if I'm you know ticking off all those things and I'm like yeah I'm happy with that happy with that happy with that then the outcome goal happens regardless um that's the hope anyway obviously you know sometimes that's not the case in which case at least I can be happy with my performance but you go back to the drawing board and be like right okay so then what do I have to do what do we have to change to make that outcome closer to what we want the outcome goal to be Um, but yeah like you just it's that classic control of controllables as long as i do what i set out to do i have to be happy with that in some way at least
1: yeah i'm guessing uh, like you're speaking in a way that um shows me you've done a lot of work here um and you've kind of either thought about this very deeply had some like great influences on you obviously doing a Masters in sports psychology you definitely kind of learn a fair amount of this. Um, who else teaches you about this? Where do you where do you kind of develop yourself? Where do you learn about this from?
0: So um it's one of the things that Red Pill do really, really well. Um so Phil and Cyril, so Phil's the um owner of Red Pill. Cyril is my coach at Red Pill. Um mm-hmm. we do a lot of stuff in that uh way. And to be honest, for me it started around the quarterfinals last year so the 20 what 21 quarterfinals um when I was getting I was getting a few more messages from like strangers just like tagging me in stories being like oh well done because I you know finished top 100 in the year and that was the first kind of year that anything like that had happened Um, and I'd had a few, well, I'd had more requests than normal to like come on podcasts or people send me things or whatever. And I was starting to sort of see the route that this was coming down. And I felt like that was quite a lot of pressure for me at the time. Um, and so I was talking to my coach about it because um, it was just stressing me out quite a bit. I was like, I feel like people are expecting things from me. Um, and there were absolutely no guarantees that I was, you know, going through to the semifinals from the quarters that year. Um, in fact, it was like a bit of a surprise to me that I got through to the semi-finals. And uh, so that was kind of when we started working on these sorts of things. But I think as well, um, in the last sort of, let's say, three months or so, um I've started like journaling a bit more and so that for me has been really useful because I I think a lot (laughs) about things um I spend a lot of time you know on my own when I'm training um, and that kind of thing I live on my own as well so um I'm spending a lot of time in my head um and so actually just to be able to kind of write things down sometimes um I really I feel like that really helps like the first time that I kind of instinctively did it without being told uh, this was before I actually started journaling it was before the Arnold fitness games last year um and I was feeling a lot of pressure going into that like I was really really nervous the wads didn't necessarily suit me that well um There were some movements in there that I was really nervous about, some heavy weights in there that I was really nervous about. um, And I was putting pressure on myself to do really well there. Um, And so the night before, I literally just like got out my training diary and wrote down everything that I was thinking. And I felt so much better after that, um, that that was the thing that kind of made me think, okay, maybe I need to spend a little bit more time doing that kind of thing um, just to kind of Free up some headspace a little bit. Um, so yeah, I like the the guys at Red Pill, They they know what they're doing with that sort of stuff, and they've been really really helpful with my development in that way.
1: Nice. Yes, yeah, that's, that's really cool to note that you're um, getting used in the journal. Like as as athletes and as human beings, really, one of the things that characterises someone that pushes hard and wants to develop is like the self imposed pressure um and like the pressure can be a great thing um or it can be overwhelming and we don't really know what's happening if we don't get our thoughts out either through like conversation with someone where we have to like verbalize it or writing it down where it becomes like this like I don't know, this, this thing that we can see, it's like, it's, it's an object, um, yeah. and we can kind of observe it and get some perspective on it. It also yeah. clears up a lot of the thoughts as well. Um, it sounds like you're doing what we would probably refer to you as like an observe your inner athlete. So like your inner athlete being your subconscious, just like, okay, right. I'm going to splurge it onto paper, see what's there, see what's going on. And that in itself, like gets some of the stress out. Um, yeah. but yeah, it's like, do you, is that your kind of your main journaling strategy?
0: Uh, yeah, probably. Um, and sometimes it's like, sometimes it's nothing. Sometimes I don't write a lot. Sometimes I will write like pages on pages. Um, and it's just like whatever I'm feeling at the time. Um, but also there's a, there's a, something that Phil says to do. And I know that he's spoken about it on a few podcasts. It's like, I am a person that, and then you fill in the blanks. Um, and it's just like, a way of concisely kind of like getting to know yourself or making sure that you know yourself so that when a situation arises, you know what like your tendency is in that situation. So, like what your four-year-old thinks, or what your chimp, or whatever you want to call it, like what your gut reaction is in that situation, um, and, and actually like how to deal with that. So, like for me, it's like I'm a person that is a perfectionist i expect myself to be you know really on it all the time um especially when i'm training like i expect myself to constantly be hitting numbers that are close to pbs or whatever the case may be um and so i will really beat myself up when I don't do that especially because for me I know that my strength is something that I really need to improve on and so I put even more pressure on myself for that because I know that that's like my you know target area um and so actually sometimes it's just like writing stuff out like that um and making myself be a little bit kinder to myself in those situations because it's not realistic with the volume that we do and you know with different phases or whatever, it's not realistic to be doing that all the time. It's not realistic to be PBing all the time or, you know, hitting numbers that are 90% plus all the time or whatever. Um, And actually sometimes, like, it takes me writing down my thoughts in that way that, like, and sometimes it's savage. I'm savage to myself and I'm, like, beating myself up for not being good enough and whatever. Like, sometimes it takes me actually reading that to be like, no, like, this is this is your four-year-old speaking, this is your chin, and you need to kind of control that a little bit more.
1: Hey, if you're enjoying this episode, chances are you'll enjoy our free ebook, How to Stop Substandard Self-Critical Plateaus and Unleash Your Potential. It's a step-by-step guide to finding your mojo again and getting back to the athlete you know you can be. It's free, you just have to stick your email address in and download it. To find it, head to mindsetrx.com ebook. That's mindsetrxd.com ebook. Now let's get on with the show. Yeah, that's, that's really nice. We use the concept of bound nature. So as opposed to free nature where you're free to perform in your best interest and you're, you're free and open. And like, that's the, the nature of all the greatest performances, you know, where you just feel light and open and you're not constricted in your mind. Um, Then you have like the bound nature and it's like, the more awareness you have of that, the easier it is to deal with it. Because it's like, oh, I've caught it before. It becomes this huge kind of seismic event. And I can catch it a little bit earlier. So it's, it's really cool that you have that perspective um, and that you're kind of like, yeah, you're you're generating awareness of it. That's, that's a great sign. Have you got any other, like, mindset, habits, practices that you uh, engage in regularly? And that could be anything from, like, going for a walk frequently disconnecting seeing friends family to a meditation practice or like cbt or anything like
0: that um honestly like not that i can think of immediately like i know that one thing that i do do especially when i'm if i'm coaching and then going to uh in straight into a training session or something like that like i'm always going to get a coffee and that like marks my start of me getting into my training headspace and me getting out of like coaching mode um because we've got like a coffee shop around the corner so it's like 10 minutes away from the box just to kind of you know think about what I'm doing um but I think one of the things I need to get better at in that sense um is kind of like seeing family and friends a little bit more regularly. It is a little bit difficult because, so I'm in Nottingham. My parents live just outside London in Windsor. Um, My sisters live in London. A lot of my uh, uni friends and school friends live around London. So one of the challenges that I have quite a lot is like trying to keep that balance by going down to London and, you know, spending a weekend in London or whatever, um, it means usually potentially sacrificing a bit of training in that sense. Um, And there will be certain times where I'm not willing to do that. And so I don't see them for months. Um, So like, for instance, at the moment, um, like in the run-up with what a month away from uh, 70s, it's... Really quite stressful if I'm thinking about spending a weekend away because I have to think about managing that. Um, that being said, I know that that kind of balance is something that helps me, especially in the long run. Um, and I plan to like be doing this sport for a long time, so I know that I need to get better at that so that I can kind of manage the stresses and everything like that a little bit better. Um, I do I mean it's you know stereotypical I spend a lot of time watching Netflix if I'm not training um, if I'm not coaching just because it's something that's easy gets me out of like my own head um and that's the thing I think like obviously I've said it already that I'm a massive overthinker um, and I will you know easily sit and go through training videos and everything like that like um and actually just something that can take me away from that in lockdown. I got really into jigsaws, but at the moment I just don't have the patience for it. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You,
1: you mentioned like the, the training hard piece as well. And it's like you said right at the beginning, like I am someone who trains hard and really pushes themselves and like that. Um, and you like, uh, I kind of scratched down a note that you put in one of your blog pieces, which I think was fantastic. Um, So give me a moment once I try and read my own handwriting. Um, Mm -hmm. It was like something like uh, my identity is too volatile and dependent on my ability to train. My life is too closely linked with CrossFit. Um, And like that solidification of identity um, is like, and there's a very vulnerable and beautiful like blog posts, by the way, and it's really important. And it's something that more people need to um, be aware of, I think, but like that solidification of like my identity as an athlete, like this is who I am is really useful in some ways because it provides that kind of like that heuristic, that simple choice for you of in this, in X scenario, do a rather than B. like, it's like when I'm presented with, um, seeing my family or getting in the most essential training session for my future, it becomes a little bit easier um, yeah. to make that right decision. Cause it's like, this is what I am, but like that really rigid identity as well can also cause havoc when it's like, I'm somebody who trains really hard, but what if I'm injured or what if actually I haven't seen my family in fucking ages and now i'm really starting to miss them and it's affecting my training quality and it's like that kind of fixed rigidity like is is a tough one um i suppose i suppose my my question here is something like how do you focus on training enough and make sure it's really the primary focus in your life whilst maintaining that flexibility and that that ability to adapt and that kind of yes softness of identity too
0: um yeah it's a bit of a funny one because so i wrote that article when i was injured um and that was what kind of made me realize so clearly um that like i was questioning everything at that point i think i hadn't been training properly for a good kind of three or four months um, and naturally that phase was kind of what got me started on Red Pill um, <laughs> I would also say that I probably haven't done enough to change that at this point in time um, I kind of have really led into the um, athlete identity um, and it is a really difficult one to kind of manage because, like you say, in some ways it makes things really quite black and white. Like I know I know what I need to do to get where I want to get to. Um and being so closely aligned with that identity helps me with that. Um that being said. The thing that's made it so hard is the fact that because I have started doing well, all of these kind of opportunities have come around that. Um, so, like sponsorship deals and that kind of thing. And actually, at the time that I was um, that I wrote that, I then I don't think it was long until I kind of signed up for a performance lifestyle advisor course, um, one of the TAS ones, and um, and my aim was to kind of. Uh, potentially start exploring that avenue whilst I was doing CrossFit. Um, realistically, though, at this point in time, I do not have the time for that. Um, and because I was, I was thinking, you know, what do I do after CrossFit? Like, what happens after CrossFit? Um, and I think, at the moment, what I'm <laughs> sort of Kind of battling with is trying to think about what happens after CrossFit, whilst also actually just trying to enjoy CrossFit because I'm 25. I know this isn't going to happen forever, and actually I also know that if I don't lean into it now, I could not go where I could get to if that makes sense. Like I could end up not maximising my potential in this way, um, and I don't want to do that. I don't want to kind of sacrifice this just in case I don't, you know. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I'm willing to kind of um, put this side of things on hold because there's other things outside of CrossFit that I want to explore at the moment. Um, and I think actually, it's in terms of managing it, like it kind of depends on the time of the season as well. So, like at the moment, I am you know knee deep in the season. I know that I have to be that full-on, hard athlete, athlete identity right now. But when the season is over, when I get to wherever I get to in the season, actually, I know that I also need that, that more balance and I need to come away from that a little bit more. Um, and I think that's kind of how I'm going to have to manage it at this point in time, um, rather than kind of constantly separating myself from that identity. and um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it, it. I haven't changed it all that much at this point, to be honest, but I think that's definitely, like, there's a time and place for me to really lean into it. Um, and right now is definitely that time.
1: Well, you're figuring out what's working for you, right? Like, there's, it sounds to me as someone who coaches mindset and has coached mindset and like spoken to a lot of athletes over my time that you're figuring out the seasonality thing of like you've got to have some yin to your yang and like that kind of yang energy of like okay, force structure rigidity like this is who i am no compromises it's essential but only if it's balanced out with that yin side of things too the soft relaxed kind of gentle and like you have it not only in like seasons of competing, like say, okay, I'm going to have some time off and explore other things, but also you have it in like eras of your life too. And it's like, trust me, you'll figure out when you get, when you get to that, that next stage of your life, like you'll, you'll figure out and just, yeah, just, just rinse this for what it's worth. Like take it, absorb every moment. Like you're only going to get the opportunity once you might as well. Yeah. Go full in on it. It's um yeah. I think that's now like, open up more opportunities. You go in, go forwards as well, and give you yeah. more options. So
0: that's the thing. I think as well. When I was swimming, like I was very aware that a swimming career would have an end to it. Um, so like whilst I was swimming, I was very much like I need to make sure that I get good grades. I need to make sure that I go to a good uni and that kind of thing. Um, and like. That meant that, I mean, very rarely did I miss the opportunity to go on like a training camp or anything like that. But there was one that I missed that was in the run up to like my A levels or something like that. Um, And I actually think, in hindsight, I probably should have gone to it because I don't think it would have affected anything else. But I was so stressed about A levels because they were this massive thing and, you know, they dictate whether or not you go to uni. Whereas now I'm just a bit like, oh, just
1: do it yeah that the rigidity piece as well like all the kind of like who am i in this moment and what do i need to do and like the kind of yeah the structure of identity it gets harder the more people are reinforcing that too And you're at this time and like people see it as well when they transition, whatever level of, um, fitness they are, when they transition from like an unhealthy lifestyle to a slightly more healthy lifestyle and they start training and everyone else around them is like, whoa, this person's going to the gym like three times a week, um, or this change the nutrition or they reach an elite standard and they start to get more eyeballs on them. Like the more people that kind of reinforce this identity, the harder it is to, um, Kind of step back from that and see yourself with a yeah. bit more perspective and not become what other people say you are and instead just be who you actually are and that's um, yeah. super tough like you must yeah it's it's the same conversation we had before of like separating yourself from um from your thoughts and emotions and what what you're thinking
0: yeah and i think at the moment like i quite like, like i think to be fair based off the blog that i wrote um which i'd quite like to kind of keep going i just i write when i want to write and not when i feel pressured to write or anything like that um you know people have asked me kind of questions that skirt around just crossfit so like you know talking about body image or things like that um talking potentially about like women in sport um but then also like the sports psychology side of things as well um, I think those are the things that kind of for me as an athlete they are areas of interest that don't just lie in CrossFit um, and I think that's the thing that helps me sometimes to kind of at least feel a little bit broader in that sense that it's not just CrossFit that I care about that there's like other parts to that as well um, that may or may not link with CrossFit but they can you know they go across sports um, mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah. Yeah, the first thing, like you you mentioned two things there that I really want to make sure we explore today. Um, And the kind of, the first one I think is around body image because like you even spoke about your, I'm forgetting your, um, the kind of the role model in gymnastics that you mentioned right at the beginning.
0: Beth Twiddle.
1: Yeah, Beth Twiddle. She said, like you said that she was, um, had slightly different figure and slightly different aesthetic to everyone else. Why was that um, something that captured your attention?
0: You know what? I don't even... I don't actually... um, I don't think I realised it at the time. I don't think I realised that was why at the time that I kind of, you know, looked up to her. Um, I think part of it is potentially because I never really felt like I looked like the other girls at gymnastics um whether or not i did and that was just a perception that i held um is one thing but um i definitely didn't feel like i looked the part when i was swimming let's say um there was you know there's there was quite A few comments made at certain points during my swimming career, Um, but I do remember the first one being when I was like 13, which is just far too young to be making comments on anyone's physique. But also, like at the time, I'd just been to South Africa on a student exchange for two weeks, had no control over what I was eating, my training had obviously dropped. Um, and, um, I remember coming back and my coach making a comment about the fact that I put on weight and it's like, oh, well, yeah, now I look back at it and I'm like, no shit, of course I put on weight. Like I was eating differently and I couldn't train to at least two hours a day like I normally would. Um, like had I, had I just gone back to eating normal like what, what my mum would eat, what my mum would cook, sorry, um, and training normally, the weight that I put on would have literally just dropped off because I was at that age where, like, it's a bit more linear than it is now um, in terms of that relationship between, you know, what goes in and what goes out. But because the comment was made, it just started this these, like, thoughts. And I was like, oh God, like, I'm fat. I'm not gonna swim as well because I'm fat. And I think, unfortunately, you know, when you're in a sport where there's, you're not wearing anything, there is no way to hide. Um, So yeah, I mean, I honestly can't even remember the question, but um, that was uh, this kind of the start of some very interesting kind of a very interesting relationship with my body and that kind of thing yeah
1: it's like the, the reason i'm so interested is like obviously it's it's a topic within crossfit that affects so many people and like i've been there as as well whereas like when i was coaching a specialist like hey i'm an ectomorph and i'm skinny and like this is kind of my default setting like i'm not jacked like all the dudes here and they feel like a kind of I felt I always felt like an outsider and felt like oh yeah. my my worth is based on like how I look and like especially t- trying to build a coaching career as well and like it's like oh man it's like I'm I feel like I'm I'm judging myself based on what other people used to say and that's creating some sort of barrier and like I'm yeah. guessing like I haven't been to your level of fitness and and like kind of uh yeah, competing at your standard, but I'm guessing that stuff doesn't just go away because you're a waterpuluser or you're going to semis.
0: No, uh, definitely not. And like, I think it's it is an interesting one that like I am definitely getting better at letting my performance be the thing that dictates kind of how I feel about things Um, but I also still don't feel like I look like most of the rest of the girls that I'm in a heat with Um, like my abs are sometimes visible but they're not visible all the time and I'm like you know stood next to girls that are fully jacked and like you know lean as hell and um especially in the uh, tour event, the road to run, like we were just stood queuing in our bikinis and I was like, oh God, this is, it honestly is probably almost my idea of hell or was at the time at least. Um, like sitting on a rower, I wore my shorts on the rower because i didn't feel like i would be comfortable rowing in just a bikini um and the thought of running in a bikini in front of like right in front of the stage with a camera potentially which it did end up being like right on me because i knew that that would be a good event for me whether or not you know i'd win it i didn't know but i knew that i would be up there um That was pretty scary. Um, That being said, my finish line photo is now one of my absolute favorite photos um, because we've actually got it up in the mezz here. Um, I just think it's so cool. I I can't believe I did that. Um, Like that's a massive demon to kind of overcome from a personal sense. Um, And I don't think it's 100% made me feel comfortable. Like I don't know if I ever will, but it's definitely one of those like memories that I put in the bank to be like, you've done this before, you can do this. Like what you look like doing it, no one cares. There were no comments about that. Like it does not matter. I won that event, whether or not I looked like the rest of the girls that's the thing that matters to me um so yeah it's a it's definitely still something that um I think about from time to time but I think about it a bit less now which is good
1: yeah I think there's that and by the way thank you for sharing that like there's so many people that are going to resonate with that like so many people are going to hear that and go like oh shit that's that's me like I I feel like that way and I feel like walking to the gym I don't look like everyone else and like going to this comp I don't look the same way as everyone else and I think we all do it to a degree probably like we all kind of feel like outsiders um and sometimes and like especially when you're rocking up to an event that's a very big event and you're kind of breaking onto the CrossFit scene. Like it's, it's, uh, it's tough to do, but it sounds like you're again, approaching this in a really the best way that you can do, which is a progress over perfection thing. We think that there's this, belief for some reason that we think oh we're just going to completely get rid of our body image issues and like kind of the self um self-doubt and kind of lack of confidence there um like it's just going to completely disappear but that's not really the case we just progressively get a little bit better at dealing with it and kind of find out a system and kind of detach our identity from our looks entirely um so it's really cool you're doing that it's awesome awesome to see i think it's
0: a funny thing as well because like you know I'm aware that especially for like people in the box that like I might be the the person that they compare themselves to now um which you know is firstly very flattering in some ways um but also it's a little bit ironic that we all kind of feel like an outsider, feel like, you know, I think in some way everyone will feel like an outsider at some point. Um, But that's the kind of nice thing that like, that's what then connects us because actually everyone feels like an outsider. So no one is an outsider. Um, But yeah, like I, I don't, I don't really like the thought of kind of being that point of comparison for people at my box, especially because there's all, there's, you know, there's things that everyone's insecure about, no matter what you look like. Um, I think that's, that is the thing that kind of we all need to remember. Like everyone just has their insecurities. And, you know, for ages, Mine was like my legs because that was the thing that for me was focused on in swimming. That like I was essentially told that my legs were too big, and now people are like, Oh my god, I wish I had legs like yours, you're like, like your quads or whatever they might say. And like, it, I might struggle to accept that still, but it's quite nice that that's the thing now that like made me feel like the outsider in swimming, but now makes me feel i don't know normal in some way in crossfit
1: mm, definitely it's um i think for the most part the crossfit communities does a pretty good job of incorporating people for the most part obviously there's yeah. always examples of it but like most people it's like fairly accepting and that can only be a good thing um i suppose this links into the other point that i really want to touch on as well as like you said something like um confidence is something you struggle with a lot I think in one of your one of your posts um, and like that could have been however long ago and is an Instagram caption that you wrote out and all that kind of stuff but like where are you with confidence right now
0: um, it's an interesting it's still very much a work in progress um, I feel like for me at the moment um, it's trying to Believe that I belong where I am um so like my position on the leaderboard in the semis I will give excuses to why people didn't beat me certain people didn't beat me um and it's other people that have to tell me like no you put in those performances um God, I'm actually weirdly shaking talking about this. I don't know whether it's like adrenaline or what, but um yeah, I need to be like talked around to the fact that I deserve to be there, and then that's the thing that like gives me confidence. I really feel like at the moment it's a quite a formative phase in that sense because I'm starting to um perform better at higher levels against athletes that like I used to watch on TV um it's taking a while for me to kind of accept that that's where I'm at and like to believe that the places that I want to get to or the place in particular at this point in time that I want to get to that that's like actually possible um so it's not i'd say in some aspects i'm confident in some ways but i really feel like at the moment this is like very much challenging how i feel when i kind of step out onto the wood floor um i know that i want a palooza i was absolutely petrified (laughs) i was so nervous um But actually, as the weekend went on, I got more and more confident, not because, like, I don't know, I think it was just the fact that actually, like, I was in those heats, against those people, finishing in a good position. And like I said before, you can't argue with the results. Like, that, for me, is something that's like oh, I deserve to be here. Um, And so it's a really (laughs) funny one, but I feel like you'll understand this from a psychology perspective. When we talk about like vicarious experience and that kind of thing, and that being a source of confidence, um, it's a little bit cringy and a little bit narcissistic in some ways. But if I'm really feeling not confident, I will watch some of the events at Wattapalooza to just be like, no, you did that. Like that was you, um, you absolutely deserve to be here. And that for me is kind of a source of confidence. Like remember, cause sometimes it feels like I just didn't happen. And so I actually need to remember that like that happened and that was me doing that. Um, so yeah, confidence TVC is coming, um, but yeah.
1: Hey, you're you're doing cool stuff about it. Um, you're doing really cool stuff. Like when these, when we get those moments where it's like, oh, I'm not great on confidence right now. Like I'm feeling low and like, or I'm feeling like I, I haven't got this. And I'm feeling that doubt knocking around. Like you're just, <laughs> there's part of your brain looking around and just selecting all these pieces of evidence. Like, oh, I'm shit because of A. I'm shit because of B. I'm shit because of C. Like this isn't going to work. This isn't going to work. I've been, I haven't been doing this. I, I missed my like macros yesterday. Whatever it is, it's like going to pull out all these key informations and build up this case of evidence that really isn't true at all but then you go back and you go actually i finished fourth at wad Blueser. i won this event i did these awesome things i came from here to here and like part of the confidence piece is just going back over that frequently enough and really reminding that kind of that that reptilian part of your brain no you know what i do deserve to be here and i am good enough to be here but it takes a while because your story is always changing. Who you are is always changing. And hopefully you're always putting yourself in positions where maybe you're not quite deserving to be there. Maybe you're on that cusp of, I deserve to be here. Maybe like you're kind of, you're breaking through and like, that's the perfect place to be at the end of the day.
0: Yeah. Massively. And I think that's the other thing that like, I know that I've always been someone that gets confidence from like work and training, Mm. um, And that was one of the things that, like, I always prided myself on when I was swimming was the fact that I trained really hard and the work that we're doing at the moment, the work that Red Pill does in general, like, Red Pill has a bit of a reputation for being kind of high volume, hard work. Um, And that really works for me in terms of where I get my confidence from, but, like, it's one of the things that I like about keeping training diaries and that kind of thing is that, you know, in the same way that what a palooza is like me watching what a palooza is a way of reminding myself what I've done, looking back at like what I have like weights that I've been lifting this year versus weights that I was lifting this time last year. Like I put 14 kilos on my four rep max back squat over the last, well, literally year and I know that even though strength wise I'm not where I need to be or not where I want to be, I've massively improved from where I was last year. Um, um, <clears throat> me. That is another thing that like I know gives me confidence. That work and that improvement gives me confidence. So,
1: yeah. Yeah, that's the exact right tactic. Um, it's, yeah, exactly what we're looking to do. Just like, look at that proof. What about, I suppose the challenge is when the inevitable happens, which is injury. And as an athlete like that is small injuries are inevitable. Big injuries sometimes do happen. Um, and like, I remember speaking to um, Bethany Shadburn about this as well, like obviously in a very similar or kind of a very obvious situation with injury at the moment. Like when when you hit those injury patches or you have those hard knocks, How do you pick yourself back up then?
0: Uh, um, Honestly, injury is probably one of my biggest fears at this point in time. Um, So that's a hard one to answer because I feel like I haven't, well, I definitely haven't had to deal with it with the last two years. Um, as I said, it was the thing that took me onto red pill in the first place. I also think to be fair, if I was to get injured, I'm in no better hands than being with red pill um like they really know their stuff in that sense. I also think that we do so much in terms of prehab and that kind of thing that we are giving ourselves as good a chance as possible to not get injured um But I definitely found that when I was injured, um, so I think it was 2020, um, yeah, in fact it was nearly two years ago, like around this time. Um, It was literally just about focusing on what I could do at the time. Like, and trying not to think too much about you know, what I was missing out on, what progressions I could be making at that time. Um, it was more about, like, what... what can you do? So, for me, it was like, I'll use this as a chance to improve my stretch of gymnastics because I wasn't very strong with body weight. Um, and so, although yeah massively it was kind of a a really disorienting disorienting time I don't even know if that's how you say that word um I tried to kind of use it I mean it sounds really you know typical but use it as an opportunity Mm. to see what other gaps I could fill um so no I wasn't necessarily going to be lifting super heavy weights but you know, if I could get my strict strength stronger, then my kipping would improve and that kind of thing. Um And so that was the thing. And I think that would be the thing that I would focus on if that time came, um, which hopefully it won't. Uh, yeah, <laughs> such <a word. laughs> um, But yeah.
1: Awesome. Yeah, I th- again, I think that's... uh that's the right way to look at it. It's like, what's what's the controllable factors? What can I do? What can I positively do to keep myself moving forward? And hopefully then you find your best opportunity and you kind of keep that element of momentum going. It feels like you're still creeping forwards, and like, okay, what can I learn from it? What can I use from this moment? What are the opportunities that I wouldn't have got otherwise without this happening? Um, if you can kind of find that piece, which is so hard to do, um, yeah, that kind of prepares yeah. you for it. And that's something you practice like what's the what's the quote around we don't rise the level of our expectations we fall to the level of our training if you're constantly practicing like okay something bad's happened um or something not great has happened how can i use it as an opportunity if you're doing that for the small things every day it becomes so much easier or so much less difficult to do it for the um for those big things that inevitably do happen so it sounds like some good prep going in there too um so we've we've covered your regular habits around journaling, um, which I think is again fantastic. Are there any books you've read or rec- that you recommend for people, or any resources that you turn to for um, for mindset? So obviously, Phil's one of them. Red Pill's one of them. Um, anything else that you recommend for people?
0: Um, I really like. I think it's called Legend or something. The book about the All Blacks. Um, and I, I honestly can't. I read it a few years ago, um, but it was just about like their practices. Um, obviously, you know, they are a notoriously good um, rugby team. Um, but it was for me at the time. I read it when I was doing my uh, my masters. It was really interesting from a group dynamics perspective, which, as I said, was kind of the thing that brought me into um, the sports psychology setting. Um, and then it's not um, it's not like a psychology or mindset one, but another one that I found really interesting was called The Sports Gene, um, which was just about the role of genetics in uh, sport performance. Um, it's a little bit... Sciency at times like when they're talking about different um, segments of gene or whatever um, but that again was really interesting um, I'm trying to think of another one but I can't remember its name so I'm not going um, to go down that
1: road was, was the book about the All Blacks Legacy by That's James Kerr I, yeah, I did a little bit of googling I didn't know it um, <laughs> Um fantastic. That's that's really cool. Um yeah, we'll I'll uh yeah, I will check those out for sure. So final question, Lucy. Where can people find you? Where can people follow you? Um yeah, where should they go to to watch your progress?
0: Um literally just Instagram at LucyPel5. Um yeah, there are us fancy
1: at the room. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me. It's been such a pleasure to speak to you.
0: Yeah, you too, thank you.
1: Thank you for listening to the Limitless Athlete Podcast. If you want to stay up to date with everything MindsetRx, including the Limitless Athlete Podcast, then head on over to Instagram and follow us, which you can find at MindsetRx. That's Mindset D, Romeo, X-Ray, Delta. Stay tuned for an awesome episode from one of the big names within CrossFit next week, Brent Fikowski. Um, This was, yeah, we've worked with Brent in the past and I forgot how much of a useful and kind of insightful perspective he has on so many things. You're going to learn so much. Um, we do the downside of being as analytical as he is, putting yourself again under pressure um, so much more. It's a great podcast episode. I just wrapped it up so um, you guys are going to love this one and also make sure. You subscribe to the show um, and leave us a kind review when you get there because it makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside.